you may be dismissed. So, <laughs> that's pretty amazing uh, catches, weren't they? Absolutely amazing. Well, uh, thank you. Well, Susan and uh, Miracle and James and myself are back after being gone for about three weeks. We were down uh, for multiple reasons to visit our family, but while we were there, Miracle had flown out with uh, some of my nephews and gone to Mongolia for a couple of weeks to visit my sister, who's a missionary there, and uh, we had to hang around for another a week or so so we could see Benjamin. Now, Benjamin is on an aircraft carrier as we speak on his way to the Arctic Circle. After he had spent two weeks camping in the mountains of California in four foot of snow. So uh, uh, he asked us to tell you guys hello and keep him in prayer as you think about him. Um, while we were down, you know, we really don't watch television. And while we were down, I had the privilege of watching a football game. Uh, since I am from Carolina, I happen to be a Carolina team, you know. And I discovered while I was there, that Panthers eat Cardinals. You know, it's pretty cool to discover that. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Panthers eat Broncos too or something like that. Now, as a kid, I, I'm an outdoorsy guy. I hunt and fish and mountain climb and, you know, camp and canoe and stuff like that. And we lived out in the country. I never had the privilege of playing f football. It wasn't just my cup of tea and all, but, and the fields were too large. So, we actually made one that I can begin to play on up here, you know, that may be more my size. Um, but really what this is all about, we're starting a new series today, and it's talking about to settle for less or receive God's best. Do you think it's possible that maybe there's times in your life where you've settled for less than the absolute best that God has in store for you? Think about that for, for just a few moments. You know, uh, one of the things that we saw in the little uh, setup here on this little intro, you see those guys catching those footballs? That was amazing, you know? But what do you call those guys who are actually catching them? Receivers. And see, sometimes we sell up for less when we could be receiving God's best. And we have something to learn from these wide receivers who are able to hang on to a ball that it seems almost impossible. But they've learned how to do that, you see. And we can receive God's best. And hopefully we'll discover some secrets that will enable us no longer to settle for less. See, some, some ball players just you know settle for making the team hey i played on this famous nfl football team and some players settle for i once made it to the super bowl but there are some who won't settle for that i mean they'll settle for nothing more than winning the game and in a uh, practical way in our own lives think about it again how many times have you settled for less when in reality if you had known the playbook you could have received you could have received God's best in your life do you know people like that who settled for less you know 
less than the best. When Susan, my wife and I, we met at a Bible study. Many, 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 many years ago. And, uh, but we met at a Bible study, and there was a woman at this Bible study who was telling a little testimony that she had taken her kids out, and they had picked strawberries, wild strawberries. Now, I don't know if you know much about wild strawberries, but stra wild strawberries are not near as big as the ones you buy in the store, but they're so much sweeter. And her and her kids have been out, and they picked these big old buckets fulls of strawberries, and as the kids are picking them, going, Mom, can we eat some? I was like, no, you can't. I got something special planned at home. And they was constantly nagging mom about, I want to eat some of the strawberries now. Anyhow, they had all these strawberries in the car and they're on their way back home and they just nagged her and nagged her and un unceasing, just nagging and fussing and complaining. But okay, eat the strawberries. And what happened is they did not understand that she was making some her special recipe, you know, a pound cake, fresh, homemade, to make a strawberry shortcake and then to cover it with like a Briar's vanilla bean ice cream and then cover it with whipped cream. I know. I had no breakfast. I got to go get me some. But the thing was, the strawberries, they were good. But see, they settled for less than the best. They're impatient. And I wonder how many times we settle for less than God's best. Think about that. How does that relate to you and those who are in your sphere of influence? Do you settle for less than your dreams? Have you had dreams that you know, well, you don't dream those dreams anymore. You're not going to be able to accomplish that or be that or do something. You know, you, you settled for less. While we were down south this past time, it was very interesting. My mom had been cleaning up some things and had come upon one of my old report cards. And she pulled it out and she showed it to me. And I'm smiling as I'm looking at it. But when I looked at it, she's like, oh. <laughs> I thought I had destroyed all of my report cards, you know. I was not a Christian. And this was in uh, junior high. Was it junior high or was it pre-junior high? No, it was junior high. And I'm not going to tell you all the details. But I can tell you this, all of my grades at that point in time were less than average, okay? And it was not fun to see that. But as I came to know Christ, you know, and I went off to college, went off to Bible school, you know, I began to ace my courses. I had a purpose. You know, my dream was restored. I no longer felt like a failure. Are you settling for less? Or are you receiving God's best. But you got to learn how to receive. Not just anybody can receive a ball like we saw a while ago. Not just anybody can receive the greatest blessings of Almighty God. You know, there's a fellow by the name of Esau. Esau had a twin brother named Jacob. And Esau was a uh, hunter. He'd been out. He didn't get anything that day. As he's coming in, his brother Jacob, let me see here, he was doing some cooking. And uh, he had what? How'd you know that? It was written on this side. Oh, it's on both sides. Okay. He had a bowl of beans. They were lentils. And, and, and Esau was starving. He was going, hey, Jacob, give me something to eat. I'm starving. Now, Jacob valued the inheritance. 
He valued the blessings of Almighty God. Esau didn't give a hoot about it. Esau was born first. So he had a birthright and an inheritance that Jacob did not have. And he says, Esau, give me your birthright and your inheritance, and I'll give you a bowl of beans. He said, what's the inheritance going to do for me anyhow if I die of starvation? Give me them beans. And he genuinely settled for less. He traded in his birthright and his inheritance for one bowl of beans. Now, I wonder on a spiritual level in our own life, have we sometimes settled for a whole lot less than God's best? We, we, we settled for something that really was a temporary pleasure and forfeited something that was extremely valuable, the blessings of Almighty God. You remember Israel? The children of God who were bound in slavery for so many years down in Egypt, and God sent Moses to lead them out to a land that was called the Promised Land. It would have taken them two weeks to get to the Promised Land. Two weeks! And God says, I'm leading you into your land, a land that flows with... Uh, Milk and honey. You understand milk? That means it was a bountiful land. You have no milk unless the livestock are giving birth. You know, no milk is created until the birthing process. So the livestock in the land were having, you know, prolific, you know, reproduction. God says this is a land that is bountiful. It's flowing with milk. Everything is multiplying. And honey. What's the big deal about honey? You're going to have honey, a lot of honeybees, and the, the honey is flowing through the land. It means that all the vegetables are bountiful, the fruit trees. Everything is blossoming and producing fruit. And God says, I'm leading you into, you know, a blessed place. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. Well, Moses, he, he took 12 men leaders of the nation, representing the 12 tribes, and he sent them into the promised land as spies to check it out. And lo and behold, it was just the way God said it was. They actually cut down one bunch of grapes, and they had to take a big old pole and put it between two men to carry the one cluster of grapes. It was so large. It was exactly the way God said it was, and they brought the grapes back and showed people. And Joshua and Caleb, who was two of the spies, said, let's go in and take the land. But 10 of the 12 spies said, uh, it's just the way God said it was. But he didn't tell us that there was giants there. I mean, this fertile soil, it makes for big people. And the 10 spies says, we saw these giants in the land, and, and, and we were like grasshoppers. And because they saw themselves like grasshoppers, they became weak like grasshoppers. And they settled for less. What should have taken them two weeks to go from the bondage of Egypt into the promised land. Anybody know how much time it actually took them? Forty years. Because they believed only half of God's report. God says the land's yours. Go in and I'm with you and you're going to take it. But they only believed the part that it was prosperous and bountiful. But they did not believe the other part. That God would give it to them. Therefore, they wandered in a wilderness for 40 years. They settled for less. And they did not receive God's best. A lot of the old-timers died off before they ever even made it to that area. 
It's pretty amazing when you read what God's word has to say, you know. You settle for less than reaching your full potential. Sometimes you might feel like you're a grasshopper. Or maybe in our modern day terminology you would say, I feel like an ugly duckling. You ever heard about that? His long, gangly neck. Look like, what no kind of a duck are you? You know? You're weird, you know? But as time progressed, the little ugly duckling became aware that it was a beautiful swan. Don't settle for being a grasshopper. Don't settle for being an ugly duckling. God has destined you for so much more. And you need to be in the right place to receive God's best. You need to get in the playbook and learn what God has to say about you and where you're to be and how you're to do. It's so important that we do. Um, while we were down south, my, my brother, who is a, a retired policeman, and now, uh, you know, part of his time is spent, well, I should say for about three months, all of his time is spent trapping. He's a trapper. His son, who's a policeman, he traps with him. Uh, they called, uh, what, 99 coyotes last year. People call them, you know, to come in and trap them because they eat their cats and dogs and their livestock and things like that. But he has worked out a deal with uh, some people who buy them alive. And they use them and they turn them loose in these hundreds of acres of pen and they train dogs how to, you know, track them and things like that, you know. So while I was down there, I got to set a lot of traps. I caught some coyotes, I caught some foxes. You know, the, I, I didn't catch them, but my nephew caught several otters. I caught some raccoons. He caught bobcats. It's like, I know how to set a trap. You know, I've been a trapper all my life. I just never had the privilege of doing it. But now I know how to do it, you know. Anyhow, I'm getting carried away here, aren't I? There was a man who bought a very expensive bear dog. This dog would track a bear. And he paid a lot of money for it. And he was, you know, number one in the, you know, hunting community. Oh, he's got this very expensive, awesome bear dog. So they took the dog out. They turned it loose. And, um... Uh, Got on the trail of a bear right off. And, and a, a, a good, uh, you know, uh, hunter like this, he can tell by the sound of his dog, hey, they're going across the creek now. Oh, yes, they just went under the fence over there, you know. Oh, he treed. He treed. By the tone of the dog, he can pretty much tell what's going on. And this bear dog, after he got on the trail, this big old bear, well, they, they crossed where a deer had crossed, you know, before them. And when the dog got there, he gave up the, the, uh, the bear trail and started tracking the deer. And he pursued the deer. He was going there and he's howling and carrying on. And before you know it, the, the uh, coyote had crossed his track. So he began to chase after the coyote for a while. And then there was a fox that crossed that. So he began to chase the fox, you know, and he was howling and carrying on. And then a raccoon had crossed over the fox trail and he's chasing the raccoon. And, and then he came by a rabbit trail and he began to chase after the rabbit. And when the hunter finally caught up with his dog, he's barking down the hole of a field mouse. <laughs> he settled for less. And I can tell you right now, that hunter probably sold him real cheap. 
because he settled for less than what he was bred and trained to do. He settled for less than his destiny as a bear dog, you know? What about you? Have you lost your big dreams? Have you settled for some teeny tiny little thing instead of God's best? Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 26. It says, mark out a straight path for your feet. You know, and the quarterback will tell you, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take it all this way over there. Get there. Okay? Okay. Well, it says here, mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Verse 27 says, let's read those three words together. Don't get sidetracked. Do we ever get sidetracked? Find ourselves barking down the hole of a field mouse? And we've lost our vision. And we settle for less. And we're not receiving God's best. It says in Psalms 32, verse 8, it says, The Lord says, this is God speaking to us. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. And you can take that to heart. God says he'll guide us along the best pathway for our life. He'll teach us through his playbook how to run, where to be. You know what happens, though? If, if we do not run the way God tells us to, we will not be in position to receive his blessings. Other people receive, well, how come I'm not receiving a blessing? He says here, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life, and I will advise you, and I'll watch over you. And then he says in verse 9, do not be like a senseless horse or mule. Now, all horses are not senseless. I mean, some, you know, just like, you know, hey, I wish that person just had horse sense. You know, some horses are pretty smart. Some mules are pretty smart, but not all of them. And he says here, do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. And what does the bit and a bridle do? See, the, 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 the uh, riders on there, just a, barely, just a tap of the rein on the neck or just a tap with the toe, just leaning just a wee bit on a certain direction there, the horse just goes with you. But there's some horses like, I ain't going that way. You got a bit in a bridle and you jerk on it and go, okay, even, let up, I'll go. Sometimes we set up for less and we don't follow instructions unless there's pain involved. Is that the way we like to do it? God inflicts pain, and therefore we'll obey him. But unless he inflicts pain, we're not going to. We settle for less, and we don't receive God's best. You remember what Jesus said when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross? He was going to be beaten horribly. He was going to be crucified, dying for the sins of the whole wide world. And Jesus said, Father, if, if, if it's possible, please let this cup of suffering depart from me, comma but not my will, thy will be done. Aren't you glad that Jesus went to the cross? There would not be salvation, there would not be forgiveness, but he went and took our punishment so we could go free. That's what he did. Absolutely, that's what he did for you, and that's what he did for me. Not my will, but thy will be done. But a lot of people pray differently. They go, my will, not your will. We're going to do it my way. 
I'm going to go where I want to go, say what I want to say, do what I want to do, not do what I don't want to do. And that's settling for a whole lot less. Because when the quarterback passes the ball, you're not in position to receive it. You're not going to receive the greatest of blessings. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 55, verse 8. God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. Says the Lord. God don't think the way you do. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. But we can learn God's ways. He'll never convert to doing it our way, but we can convert and begin to do it his way. And we become valuable when, when we'll do what the, the coach and what the quarterback tells us. And we'll follow the playbook and we'll be in the right position to receive the blessings. He says here in verse 9, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow, they come down from the heavens and stay on the ground. Are you all familiar with that? Rain and snow comes down and stays on the earth. Y'all still got some snow? In my house, we got lots of extra if you need some, okay? We still almost have a foot. It's just five miles from here, but we get a lot more snow than we do right here at the church. I don't know why. My wife loves snow, I think that's why. God just blesses her. I kind of like it myself. But it says here, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and it stays on the ground for one purpose, to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And we all like to eat. So we need water to make the produce grow. So we understand water has life in it. And then he says in verse 11, he says, it's the same with my word. It's the same with my word. There's life in my word, in the playbook. He says, it's the same with my word. I send it out. And sometimes it produces. Is that what it says? He says, I send it out, and it always produces fruit. The same way when rain and snow comes down, there's life in it. Wherever it goes, it waters the grass, the vegetables, the fruit. It waters things. If there's a hard rock there that it can't absorb into, the water doesn't become profitless. It just runs off of the hard rock there, and more water goes to the surrounding area. And God says right here, it's the same with my word, just like water. I'll send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. And you need to understand, God sent his word. He sent his living word, his playbook to you, and it will prosper in your life. It will bring about God's best in your life. If we can get in agreement if we'll learn the playbook and we'll be in the right position, we'll receive everything that God has for us. Now, while we're away, uh, I said we don't watch television at home, but while we're away with our family and all, they had television on, we would see it. And I was asking my kids the other day, I said, uh, how would you illustrate this? I'm talking about settling for last, receiving God's best. And, and uh, our, my kids had seen this commercial on television, and, and James suggested it. So I don't promote their product or anything, but I want to show you the commercial, okay?
Dear, why don't we switch to DirecTV? Now, Mother, we are settlers. I've settled for cable all my life. But DirecTV has been number one in customer satisfaction over cable for 15 years. We find our satisfaction elsewhere. The boy has his stick and hoop. The girl, her faceless doll. And you have your cabbages. And you have your foot stomping. I sure do. Don't be a settler. Now, wasn't, wasn't that inspiring? <laughs> but the last thing he said, and the commercial went on, but says, don't be a settler. Well, I want to challenge you, don't be a settler. Don't settle for less, but receive God's best. Because you can. Every one of you can if you want to. One of the things that hinders us from receiving God's best is fear. It was fear that caused those ten spies to bring back an evil report. says, no, we can't receive the promised land. Because it was giants in the land. It was fear. And fear will cause you not to receive God's best. It really will. This is what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 37. <coughs> it says, Do not judge others. We ever judge people? We probably do. He says, Do not judge others, or you will be judged. Oh, I said, And you will not be judged. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. If you judge others, you will be judged. He goes on to say, and this is Jesus talking, do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Did you know that? If you're criticizing and putting other people down, condemning other people, the Bible says that's going to come, all of it's going to come back against you. That's not a blessing. When you're condemning and judging other people, you should be here to receive God's blessings, but you're over here somewhere, and you'll not receive, except you'll receive condemnation and judgment yourself, because that's what you're doing to other people. This is Jesus talking. Do not judge others, or, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. See, to receive forgiveness, if you're going to be here and receive forgiveness, You've got to forgive others. But if, if you are bitter and got resentment against somebody else and you, un, you have an unforgiving heart, when you should be here receiving from God, you're over here somewhere, out of bounds over here, and you're not receiving anything. You're not in the position. You're not following what the playbook says. If you want to receive forgiveness, you have to forgive others. Matthew 5, verse 7, it talks about the merciful shall receive mercy. And, and mercy is not getting what you deserve, you know. But you've you got to make sure you're not giving other people what they deserve. You show them mercy so you can receive mercy. It puts you in the position, according to the playbook, to receive God's best. In and, and Mark 11, verse 22, it says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, and that's us, his followers, and Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. And that's the, 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 the secret to receiving God's best. It's faith. It's following the playbook where the, the quarterback says, I want you to run over this way, run long, then cut over. And, and, and you believe what he says. So you run and you cut over there. And when you turn, boom, there's the ball right in front of you. But sometimes we don't receive the best from God because we didn't go where he said. We didn't do what he said to do. We're over here out of bounds somewhere. You see, and we, we miss out. But he says here in Mark eleven twenty two. 22, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. 
I'll tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking to us. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really, the word really means actually, truly, <clears throat> you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, some people go, well, that's impossible to believe. I'm speaking to a mountain in it. There's some people who believe it's impossible to catch a 80-yard pass with one hand. Do you believe it can be done? We saw about four of those happen today. My little video clip in, in the playbook, those guys exercised and they followed the instructions of their coach and they worked out together in the playbook and they planned and practiced doing that stuff and then they could do it when the game was on. And the Bible says, verse 23, I tell you the truth, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. And, and, and having a relationship with Jesus and, and, and hearing and studying the playbook, it produces the faith to receive everything that God is passing your way. And then if we'll look over here in verse 24, Mark 11, 24, Jesus says, I tell you, you can pray for anything is there anything you need in regards to your life or your finances or your health or your family or your friends or your loved ones he says i tell you you can pray for anything and if you believe that you received it it will be yours i'll guarantee you that wide receiver you know once that ball is hiked and he takes off he's singing that ball is mine that's my ball Woo! he's not he's not taking off going I won't catch it. I'm going to drop my butterfingers. <laughs> he believes it. And you see him. I mean, who in the world would try to catch a football one hand? There's some people who would. I think I might try out for football myself. <laughs> if we can use this field here, anyhow. He says in verse 25, but when you're praying first, that's before everything else, when you're praying or when you're playing it says when you're praying first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your father in heaven will forgive your sins too this here is another secret to receiving answers to your prayers because if you are bitter and you got unforgiveness in your heart toward anybody and I don't care how evil or how wicked they are what did Jesus say when he was singing on the cross father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And, and the Bible says if we got bitterness in our heart, we will not be in position to receive. We're up here out of bounds somewhere, and there's no blessings coming our way because we are not in position because we got bitterness, and it poisons us. And Jesus said in verse 25, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now, we read a while ago in Luke 6, 37, do not judge others. I want to read this to you out of the Message Bible. It kind of wakens us up with words that we understand maybe a little bit better. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, it says, don't pick on people. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. Is that the kind of treatment you want? 
He says, don't do that unless you want the same treatment. Don't condemn those who are down. That hardness can boomerang. Comes back at you. Be easy on people. You'll find life a lot easier. So let's just do it according to the playbook. Do what he says in the playbook. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, it says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, what's those next four words say? Believing you will receive. We're talking about receiving God's best. The key is believing. And part of the key, you're, oh, I, I keep dropping the ball. You've got unforgiveness in your heart. Well, that's why you're not able to receive. Other people seem to be receiving his blessings okay. What's wrong with you? Maybe there's unforgiveness in your heart. Or, or other things. The playbook is full of all kinds of things that will tell us what we need to do. Whatever things you ask in prayer, Matthew 12, 21, 22, believing you will receive. Work on your believer. Believe the playbook. Read it. Study the thing. In John 3, 27, John replied, he says, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. So it's all from heaven. All the good stuff, you know, that we can receive, it's from Almighty God. And you need to remember something here, folks. No matter where you're at in your game, no matter how bad you've done, Jesus is the game changer. And when he comes into your life, he changes things. When you decide, hey, I'm going to do it your way. My quarterback is Jesus, you know, and I'm going to do it his way, and I'm going to follow his playbook, and I'm going to learn to do it his way, you know. The Bible talks about greater is he, talking about Christ, who is in you than uh, he who is in the world. Greater is Christ who is in you than he who is against you. Greater is Christ who is in you than he who is after you. Christ is greater. You win. If you'll stay with him and you'll follow the instructions of his playbook, you be in the right position and you will receive God's best. Now, let me show you a little video clip, you know. This is of uh, uh, a, uh, a quarterback, NFL quarterback. And uh, just listen to what his heart says and what he tells you, some wisdom we can pick up from him. I don't know that I could have uh, gone through all the things that I've gone through and continue to go through without God in my life, without uh, being able to turn to Him. I think when I was in junior high going into high school, it, uh, it, it really, you know, it, it kind of came into where I had to make a decision whether which way I was going to go with my life, whether I was going to follow all my buddies and do what they do, or if I was going to go and uh, be the man that God wanted me to be. You know, with all the parties going on and being the big football star, I guess, in college, the same thing, you know, and there's so much peer pressure uh, just to go be like the world, you know, and I, I knew that I had something better uh, in mind. Uh, I knew that God had something better for me. I think uh, high school, it was hard because uh, there weren't very many Christians, but it, what I've noticed is uh, that as you go up in the ranks of playing any professional sport, you find there's a lot more Christians, there's a lot more people that believe in God, you know. You find that praying at the dinner table in front of your teammates in college is a little hard, but it's not as hard as it was in high school. In the NFL, three quarters of the team does it because they know that it's the only way that they're going to survive and be successful in life and get through the tough times because this is a tough business. That's, that's actually the nicest part about the NFL is because there's so many believers that uh, are considered the toughest guys in the league that 
oh, they're Christians, so maybe you can be tough and you can be a good football player. And to be able to walk with men of God together is, is a relationship that you can't have with, with buddies in high school that, that don't believe. Having a relationship with God with friends that, that are on your team that you fight and you bleed with, that, that stuff's important. He said three quarters of the players on the NFL would pray over their food at, at mealtime. Pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. They're, they've learned from another playbook how to receive the blessings of Almighty God. See, obedience is the key. It really is. It's the key to God's best. Now, God has called us out of our comfort zone. Have you ever felt him call you out of your comfort zone? He asked you to do something that's not really comfortable, you know? Like we talked about a while ago, forgiving somebody who don't forgive, who don't deserve forgiveness. I'm uncomfortable forgiving somebody. You know what they did? But he calls us out of our comfort zone. He, he calls us like he did David to face a giant. And let me tell you, when God causes us, calls us to go and face a giant, at, 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 at the gate where, that, where you find that giant, there is an opportunity. God calls us out of our comfort zone to face a big giant. And the bigger the giant, the bigger the opportunity. You look at a trouble and go, oh, I wish I didn't have these giants and these giant problems in my life. Truth of it is, you've got a giant opportunity sitting right in front of you and you're looking at it in a negative way instead of going, well, what does the playbook say about this? Put stone in sling, swing, let go. Kill giant. What does the playbook say? And I'm sure if we're all facing some kinds of giants in our life, are we not? But it's an opportunity. Don't settle for less. Oh, gloom and despair. It's like, oh, look at this opportunity. I'm going to receive God's best in the midst of this opportunity. The bigger the giant, the bigger the opportunity. What happens if you're faithful with little things? The Bible says you'll be faithful with big things. David had already confronted bears and lions that was trying to steal his daddy's sheep, was he not? And he'd taken them out with a stone and with a club. And now this giant was nothing more than those, another opportunity. And at that point, because David, you know why he came there in the first place? He was tending his daddy's sheep, and dad said, you know, our sons are fighting a, a war right close by. Take them lunch. David was a servant. He took a little cart with the foods for his brothers, some for their captains and all. He was a servant. And he overheard this giant blaspheming out there. This giant. This giant opportunity. And because he had the heart of a servant and he had a close relationship with God, it promoted him. It was a giant opportunity. And we hear about it and know about it to this very day because what he did and the giant problems that come into your life is nothing more than an opportunity if we'll go to the playbook and say, well, how should we handle this? How do we handle giants and the like, you know? Sometimes it's out of our comfort zone that God calls us to uh, step out of a purely good boat on water. Have you, have you walked on water recently? I actually have. Of course, it was frozen when I was on it. But it's, it's uncomfortable to step out of a good boat onto water. But how many of you have a testimony like Peter did 
that he actually walked on water for just a little bit, you know? It's uncomfortable when God told Jehoshaphat, send the singers out in the front of the battle. There are tens of thousands of soldiers trying to come against you and kill you. And God says, send, send the singers out. I mean, how do you think our worship team says, there's a big battle coming on. Would y'all get out in front? <laughs> Very uncomfortable, but the bad guys destroyed each other. Oh, and don't forget, I meant to tell y'all, we'll be doing that drawing. Where's it at? For a $200 football in just a few moments. Where did I put it? Did somebody take my football? This here is an official 50-year Super Bowl football. That's the reason you got those numbers a while ago. This football costs us 200 bucks. Who's going to win it today? We got some people that ain't going to settle for less, you know. I was going to pass it, but it's so tight, I probably need to let a little air out of it first. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Where were we? Uh, out of your comfort zone, right? Turn the other cheek. Someone slaps you. But you turn. It's uncomfortable to do that. Oh, you know, we'll give you another topic. Make it hit home. What about when somebody starts talking about giving? Oh, that's uncomfortable. I'd rather talk about receiving. What about giving? Is that uncomfortable? Could be. Listen to what it says here. We were looking at Luke 6, verse 38. It says, give, and you will receive. It works in a garden, and it works everywhere else in life. Give. You give seed to the ground and give water to the ground, it gives you a whole lot more back than you gave it. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. It works with money. It works for kindness and time and encouragement or whatever else. It, it really does. Let me show you a couple of measuring cups. <clears throat> I wonder if it'll stay there. It says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So, if you're giving grudgingly with just a little small cup, I can tell you this, God's got a smaller cup than you do. But if you give with your big cup, God's got a Huge ocean-sized cup to return it back to you. Now, some of you don't believe it, and you don't have to worry about receiving, you know. So how come some people are receiving other things and I'm not? Well, it just really has a whole lot to do with the directions we find in the playbook. Will we follow that? It's out of our comfort zone to be a giver. But the Bible says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full Press down, shaking together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And God's word tells us in Psalms 84, verse 11, it says, The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what's right. Well, what's right in the playbook? Oh, I'm going to do what's right. He says he'll withhold no good thing. You can settle for less. Don't be a giver. 
You know, here's the giver. And here's the guy who don't give. You go out for okay, here comes the ball. It's hard to receive with tight fits. You, you got to open up and if you want to receive the things that God has in store. It's out of our comfort zone sometimes, though. Listen to what it says here. We already read it in the New Living, but let me read it to you in the Message Bible, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It says, give away your life. You'll find life given back. But not merely given back, not merely given back, given back with bonus and blessing. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. See, there is just a small difference between having a cup of uh, a warm cup of coffee or cocoa or tea. There's just a small difference between that and having the power to sail around the world. It's just a small difference between having a cup of warm cocoa and having a fully loaded 200-car train that goes to every state in our union. You understand what I'm talking about? At 211 degrees, the best you can get is some hot water for your cup of tea or coffee or chocolate. But at 212 degrees, what happens? It boils and it causes steam to empower a steam engine to sail the seven seas of life, to empower a locomotive fully loaded with goods that will go anywhere you want it to go. And we find a lots of times we settle for less. And it's just with a little bit of a difference, we could receive God's best. There's a book I gave to our staff several years ago. And it's called Good to Great. And, 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 and there's just a little bit of difference from something being good and something being great. Just a little difference between just settling for less or receiving God's best. And that little bit of difference is just like follow the instructions in the playbook. That's what God wants us to do, you know. People settle for good enough, and they don't receive God's best. In John 16, 24, it says, you haven't done this before. Ask, using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Did, did those wide receivers have abundant joy when they received? Woo, we felt the joy, didn't we? And when your prayers are answered, isn't there joy? And he says, Jesus is talking, John 16, 24, you haven't done this before, but ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Abundant joy. And there's a difference between getting and receiving. So some guys on the football field could be running around trying to get the ball. Where's the ball? Where's the, where's the ball? Trying to get, get, get. When all we need to do is follow what it says in the playbook and what the quarterback says, and we need to just keep on to the right path. And he says, you stay here, you turn around, boom, you receive. Difference between receiving and just going and trying to get. Where are you at with all this? Think about it. Well, Arnold Palmer, I can't remember if he was a basketball or a football. Excuse me? Let me see. Hold on. Boy, somebody knocked those cones down. Here. Oh, here's his bat. That's baseball, I think. 
Does anybody have a golf ball? Okay, this guy's got her hands up, ready for it. Arnold Palmer. He once played a series of exhibition matches in Saudi Arabia. The king was so impressed that he, pro uh, he proposed to give Palmer a gift. Palmer said, it really isn't necessary, your highness. I'm honored to have been invited. I would be deeply upset, replied the king, if you would not allow me to give you a gift. Palmer thought for a moment. I said, all right, how about a golf club? That would be a beautiful memento of my visit to your country. The very next day, the title to a golf club with thousands of acres of land, trees, lakes, and an awesome clubhouse was delivered to Palmer's Hotel. The king gave him a golf club. <laughs> the moral of the story, in the presence of a king, don't ask for a small gift. It offends him. God, who loves you so much that he sent his own son to take your place, do you think that's love? Oh, God, could you just please give me some old stale bread today and water to make it through another day? Does that honor God? It tells you what you think and what you expect from him. But he said to believe. And Jesus said, I've come to give you life in all of its fullness. The devil is the one who comes to try, try to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't be bashful to ask God for, for the salvation of your friends and your family, of our nation. Don't be bashful to ask God for big things. Don't be caught one day barking down the hole of a field mouse. Chase the noble bear, you know. Don't be bashful. We need to understand that God wants us to have his best. You can settle for less because of doubt and worry and fear, or you can believe God and accept his best. Now listen to what it says here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And those of you who were around at Christmas have that verse on your cup. And if you didn't get your Christmas gift, if you'll go back there to the connections desk, they still have it waiting for you. And all of you who are guests with us today, there's one available for you as well. And it just says limitless, talking about the limitless God that we had been studying a month or two ago. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power, at work within us, he's able to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God wants to give you bigger and better than you're even willing to ask for. That's his word. When you say golf club, he ain't thinking of this. Our God loves us. Sometimes we just don't believe he loves us that much. We just don't believe it, but we, we must believe it. Here's one more verse I want to share with you. Then we're going to have our little drawing here. It's in John chapter 1, verse 12. It's in the New King James, it says, but as many as received him. Here's that word, receive. You set up for less or receive God's best. Receive. He said here, but as many as received him, to them, those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. You, you, you receive Christ into your life. You know. It says, to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. 
See, when we, we hear what it says in the playbook, and we know we can't earn our way into heaven, but we can receive a pardon. I believe, therefore, I'll be in the right position to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, to receive the goodness of God, to receive the pardon, and all the other blessings that he has promised to me. It's in the playbook, and, and see, we believe what he says, and therefore we can receive what he's promised. And there are so many promises in this playbook that will dynamically change the rest of your life if you'll believe it and get yourself in position to receive from him. It's a choice. Settle for last, if that's your choice, or receive God's best. That is our choice, folks. It really is. Well, before we do the door, I've got to show you one more video clip. This guy uh, actually is playing in the game today, you know. And uh, he's on, uh, what was that team called again? Panthers, yes, yeah, so he's on the Panthers team. But listen to what he has to say. I think it's some profound wisdom in what he says. The Minnesota Vikings' Jared Allen is among the NFL's elite defenders, a big game hunter, chasing down quarterbacks with striking success. Close to the quarterback as fast as you can. Hit him, get him on the ground any way you can. I had a coach tell me once that, you you know, the more you put yourself around the ball, the more plays you can make. So that's kind of where that pursuit came from. A pursuit that's made him a four-time Pro Bowl defensive end. Jared was drafted by Kansas City and spent four years with the Chiefs. He was traded to the Vikings in 2008. Jared has more sacks during his nine-year career than any other current NFL player. Enthusiasm and intensity have become his trademarks. Yeah, you know what? I, I play how I play. I play, you know, I was raised to just, just to give it on the football field and, and play with tenacity. Jared Allen lives his life like a defensive end. And like the player, the person charges ahead with a relentless pursuit, chasing down a faith that's become his first priority. Why wouldn't my first goal be to be a better, better man of God? <laughs> Everything I have is because of him. Everything. He wants people to pursue him. And what I found was the more I pursued Christ, it's like the more, you know, he blessed me. But early in his career, he struggled with managing sudden NFL achievement and fame. People always talk about failure and how people can't handle failure. I think one of the toughest things in the world to handle is success. If you make a mistake in life, you got to take the steps to fix that and decide where you want to be. You know, that's, that's what Kansas City was for me. It taught me how to, how to handle the, the success. After his 2008 trade to Minnesota, he signed the richest NFL contract ever given to a defensive player. Just two years later, he was named among the Vikings' 50 greatest franchise players. Jared grew up going to church, but it was during a team chapel he was challenged by a message that asked this question. If you were arrested for being a Christian today, is there enough evidence to convict you? And my answer was no. On, on an outwardly occasion, the world would not convict me of being a Christian, even though I knew where my heart was at. And you know, everybody says, that's the most important thing. It is, but let's be honest, you know, <laughs> you gotta walk the walk. It was footing for his faith, awakening a desire to recommit his life to Christ and demonstrate it. How does it apply to your life? Not your buddy's life, nothing like this. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to quit cussing. Simple as that. And, uh, and James, it talks about how, how your tongue 
is, you know, it can be the most evil part of your body because what you say can directly influence other people. So I just started making little changes in my life. My biggest thing that I get from Christ is the peace to close my eyes at night and not to worry about the unknown. In a one game a week league, the pressure to perform is demanding. So Jared strives to stay spiritually grounded. I don't get a sack every game. Doesn't mean I want to quit playing football. Makes me want to work harder. If I don't read my playbook, I'm not successful in the field. My, my Bible is my playbook for life. So if I don't read my Bible, how can I then stand firm? How can I wear the full armor of Christ and, and stand firm against, against the world if I don't know what's there? When you think you are so outnumbered, God's got your back. He's like, I'm always there with you. Tackling a life of football and family has led Jared Allen to a bigger sense of purpose that extends far beyond the game he plays. I believe we're more than that. This is what we do. This isn't who we are. When, I, when I'm dead and gone, I want people to say I was a great husband and a great father. My ultimate goal is when I die, for him to say, welcome home, you good and faithful servant. And, and, that's, and that's how I try to you know, gear my life and just focus on him. And I understand he's playing for the Carolina Panthers today. But as he lets you know, that's not the most important thing to him. There was a time in his life when he received, you know, Christ as his Savior and he began to live it out. And what I want to do before we have our drawing for that football, I'd like us to pray. Those of us, let me bow your heads with me, those of us who, who know Christ already, would you reaffirm your faith in him? And those who are here today and you've, you've never received God's pardon, and you've done some things that you don't feel worthy of it, but God says, hey, listen, I'm the game changer. Things are different from now on. You're pardoned. You're forgiven. Let's go and play ball. So if, if you'll receive him, it's a gift. The gift is a pardon. It's eternal life. It's from Almighty God. I'd like you to pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. I believe you have a plan for my life. I am sorry for my sinful ways. And I turn from those things right now. I believe that Jesus died in my place. I believe he paid for my sins in full. And I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe that Jesus is offering me a full pardon and eternal life. And I receive it right now. I am sorry for my sinful ways. And this day I believe that Jesus Christ is my Savior, my Lord, and my soon coming King. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, be before uh, we can give away this football, I need some, uh, y'all have a bucket that has all those numbers in it? Did anybody not get a ticket yet? If you didn't get a ticket, raise your hand. They still have some and give you, okay? You might be the very one who wins the, the football here. Whoops. Who put that tennis racket over there? Oh, oh awesome. Thank you very much. And, and we're going to do, be, before we uh, uh, do the drawing, you remember what I told y'all last year about the Super Bowl? Some people came back and said, oh, I couldn't even watch the Super Bowl after that. There are thousands and thousands of people who go to the Super Bowl with their pockets full of money, men, looking for booze and looking for prostitution. 
And there's 127 million victims of, of uh, sex trafficking, and they're usually minors. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old. Usually girls. You remember me telling you about this last year? And thousands of men come to the Super Bowl because it's, it's a hub. It attracts people. And people are bringing slaves, children, who are on posters, you know, kidnapped. 127 million victims of that in, in, in our world to this day. There are more slaves right now in the United States than there were in the 260 years of the slavery way back in the South years ago in a land that thinks it's so civilized. So I say that to say this. Put your hand up if you need one of those tickets. Uh, is that we, we have a member of our church who's down at the Dream Center who's going to be doing this race, and they're going to be, uh, you know, raising some funds. The Dream Center is doing amazing work with uh, human trafficking and rescuing these these kids and we're, we're we're figuring it out how we can be most effective in doing that but if you want to make a contribution nobody's twisting your arm but if you want to make a contribution to help set some of these girls free last year after we prayed you remember what happened the next day on the super bowl sunday oh that was on saturday i started it but but there were hundreds of of pimps and these guys who who were arrested and there were tons of the victims. These young girls were rescued at the Super Bowl in the surrounding little motels and all last year. And God forbid that we get to heaven one day and we say, well, I didn't even pray for them. No, it, it matters to us. So let's do our part. And at the tithe boxes, there will be one of these that just says, stop human trafficking. If you want to give to that, uh, you can put that over there or wherever it belongs or up here, wherever. Um, but don't forget to pray as you watch the game tomorrow. Don't forget to pray to those thousands and thousands of girls who have been brought in to the area for this event that God would rescue them somehow and put those pimps and those evil people behind bars permanently. But you can do your part in prayer and you can do your part by a, a gift that will all go toward reaching them. Okay, now, whoops, that's probably yours. So, I will put it back in. I'm not sure how long I'm supposed to do this. Should I just draw one out? Okay, here we go. An official 50-year Super Bowl commemorative football. Oh, the number. 7, y'all with me? 9, 4, 1, 4. <sighs> 9. Who is it? <clears throat> Come on down. Congratulations. Let me see. Is that the right number there? No, this is my football. 
Hey, give him a grand applause. Now listen. Truth of it is, guys, we have a football for everybody. They're not quite as big. Let me see. Ah. Okay. Everybody gets one. The ushers will have them at the uh, doors. And all it says on there, so you don't forget, it says, settle for less or receive God's best. Okay? Now, when you're leaving in just a moment there, don't forget if you prayed and accepted Christ, you received Christ, we got a gift for you in the back there. There's a movie and a Bible and this little gift bag and all some goodies. And if you're a guest with us today, you get a free cup if you want it. And if you have a need, there'll be people around the altar who would love to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life right now. Greet one another. Enjoy the game. Don't forget to pray for those girls. God bless you. You are dismissed.